Welcome to this fourth season podcast. I'm your host, John Contreras, with your co-host, Adam Garcia. Today, we got a lot of topics of sports, and we missed Monday. Yes, we did, in fact, miss Monday. It was something that we're not going to discuss. But, you know, that's uh, our own privacy, and, um, you know, it, that's why we couldn't record on Monday. But, you know, we're getting this now. We're getting this out on a Friday slash Saturday. So at least you guys got an episode for the week, which we're is still staying consistent. We're almost at 100 views. Yes, we are almost at 100 plays. I think right now, by the time I check this, I believe we're free almost. Like, we are growing and we can't thank you enough. This is episode 8 already. It's unbelievable. Thank you guys for giving us this opportunity. And with all that, let's uh, jump right into this episode. All right. Starting off, we're going to be talking about running back Leonard Fournette. He was obviously cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars and is now signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if you watched our if you watched our podcast in the previous episode, we predicted that Leonard Fournette would be going to the Bucs. And we were right, but it won't be the best fit because, like... Obviously, he's going to be sitting behind Ron Jones while, while sharing the carries with, with Sean McCoy and also being in a pass-first offense. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Fournette to go to the Buccaneers. But, yeah, this is not the best fit for him. Definitely not. So, Len Fournette, obviously, a running back. He needs to be handed, handed the ball a lot, you know. The Buccaneers, they're not that. This is a passing offense with Bruce Arians. He only relies on the quarterbacks. Um, as obviously known as the quarterback whisperer. Doesn't involve the running backs a lot in his game plans. Um, you know, we'll see how Fournette is included in that offense. I don't know why he's not starting over Ronald Jones. And I think that's dumb. I think I should start him. But whatever, he'll be splitting carries with him and Shady anyway. So, I'm excited to see how this Buccaneers offense goes. You know, obviously, it's changed a lot from the from last season. We'll see how they do. And next topic we're going to be talking about is a trade that just happened about a week ago that included young safety Rodney Harrison getting traded to the Cleveland Browns. For what? Um, I don't remember. I was it like a, uh, I, I'll, I'll actually look it up right now. I think the fifth or fourth, but this is very unprofessional by us. Eh. Um, whatever. It's fine. I, I mean, I'll check right here. Oh, you can just talk about it if you want. Oh, okay. okay. So, Ronnie Harrison, like, it's obviously clear that the Jaguars are rebuilding and. This Jaguars franchise has been a mess for like a couple years, and you know what's a, you know what's embarrassing about it, Adam? Twenty five percent of the league's grievances are were over the operation over the operations of the Jaguars. Wow, twenty five percent, and and like Sean Conn, like I don't think I I, he, I know he's like probably like more of a hands off owner, but like. He needs to fire Doug Marone. He needs to fire um, 
David Codwell, the GM. He needs to fire them both. But the Jaguars are rebuilding them. They traded Ronnie Harrison, which is still a young safety, which is still developing. And I don't know why they traded him. And yeah, I just found out. Sorry, uh, that is it is a fifth round pick yeah, for a fifth for this is, year, which is nothing. Yeah, for him, yeah. Which Ronnie Harrison is he's still developing, but it doesn't make sense for the Jaguars because he's still young and he could be a good safety. But this is good for the Browns because, like, we obviously know in like in training camp, Grant rookie rookie Grant Delpit got got injury, which was an Achilles tear, which is out for the season. Since like now they they don't have they don't have his, they need a safety and uh, they can't get Earl Thomas they they decide to make to make this cheap trade for Ronnie Har- Ronnie Harrison and I think it's a good trade I think it's a good alternative because he's gonna be pairing alongside with Carl Joseph which is still a young safety I think he's like about twenty five still not the same from his rookie year but I think this will benefit him. I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Harrison obviously he's not reached his full potential yet he's still a very very young safety still not in his prime yet he's almost getting there and then I expected he'll be the best then but you know I think the Browns got a steal for him you know only trading a fifth round pick for a already decently young safety who's just going to improve I think that's a steal right there you know obviously you said he's going to play next to Carl Joseph I don't know who's going to play free safety and strong safety, but we both know they'll be on the field at the same time. And, you know, two young safeties back there. We'll see how they develop. But the Browns, obviously, we saw, yeah, Grant Delpit injured out for the year. Greedy Williams got injured. I don't know if he still is. But, obviously, that secondary is beaten up. They're thinking about getting Earl Thomas. That obviously didn't happen. So, now... They got Rodney Harrison, and now the Browns' defense looking a bit better. All right, uh, an injury report for Greedy Williams. He apparently he's gonna miss a lot of time with that shoulder injury. Not really, like whole season. No, I'm. If they're saying he's, they're saying he's Yeah. Okay, okay. Alright, so um I guess we'll just jump into our next topic, which is gonna involve Josh Gordon and he got re-signed. Well not re-signed, he got released and now he has signed back with the Seattle Seahawks. Josh Gordon has had an how do I put this? An interesting career, I would say that. So he started off from Baylor, got drafted, I think, in the first round. I think late first. But just late first. Yeah, late first, and got drafted by the Browns. Did amazing his rookie year, and then got and then got suspended for drugs, and then got reinstated. Got suspended for drugs again, and then got reinstated again, and then got traded to the Patriots for two years. Which, at the time, it didn't really make sense to me because like the Browns were saying that they were not giving up on him, but then like a week later, they trade him to the Patriots. And then, like, the Bill Belichick, like, basically spent two years with them, and I think he did decent there, but not too great. Not like rookie Josh Gordon. And then got cut. They got cut from the Patriots and signed the Seahawks, and then and then now he got, and then he got cut again in the midseason and got resigned, which I think is so good for Russell Wilson in this offense, because, like, this offense is, I'm just going to say something else. 
wide receivers is not their best it's not their best like position that they have because most of the wide receivers are still developing at like DK Metcalf while they still have like star receivers but not like receivers I'll put them over the top like Tyler Lockett but this will definitely benefit Russell Wilson and, and the Seahawks offense so I'm reading this right now okay so first off let's get this straight he was a second round pick by the way and he is actually not uh, able to play he is suspended currently right now. I think I reinstated. I'm seeing this right now. This just came out, yeah. And they don't have any idea when he'll be reinstated yet. So he is suspended right now. And he is so far not reinstated yet. But obviously, yeah, this was a good move for the Seahawks. Obviously, they had him last year. Russell Wilson loves him as a receiver. He's their tall receiver that'll go up and win you one-on-ones. And, you know, he's very fast for a tall receiver. He fits in that Seahawks offense. Um, I'm guessing he'll be the third receiver behind DK and Tyler Lockett right now. But now, obviously, he's suspended right now. So, I guess Philip Dorsett will fill that role for now until he does get reinstated. But I guess we'll have to see whenever he gets reinstated. And now, we're going to be talking about something that came out of shock. We're switching to the NBA here. We're talking about Steve Nash getting hired as the new Brooklyn Nets head coach. All right, so my opinion on this is, it's kind of, like, surprising to me because, like, Steve Nash was not in the running of any coaching job that occurred, like, before we saw this. And, like, Steve Nash has never even coached, like, anything in his life first of all, but this is obviously the Steve Kerr effect, which which at the time, Steve Kerr, when he got hired, he, they fired Mark Jackson, which they got back-to-back to playoffs. And then Brian Steve Kerr, and then the, the Warriors dynasty started to happen, which I'm not going to say that's going to happen, but that could be a possibility. But Or this could turn out like how, Jason Kidd, like how the Jason Kidd era ended, where it ended terribly, and he was just a terrible coach all around. But Steve Nash, like, he's obviously going to be coaching a team that has a lot of players, like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Jonathan Jordan, just name a few. Also, on this on, like, shooters like Joe Harris. This is, like, a decently balanced roster, and if this team can stay healthy, I, I think that this could be one of the best teams. But could a coach hold it back? Yes, it could. But... I'm optimistic for for Steve Nash. I think I think this might be a good this might be a good coach. I uh, I agree with you as well. You know, um, Steve Nash, obviously one of the great minds of the NBA. He's was known as a very very smart NBA player, and now he's going to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, the Nets were in running for Greg Popovich, but obviously that's not going to happen now. And thankfully, that's not going to happen. But you know. Steve Nash, obviously, very wise, you know. No coaching experience, though. That's the one thing people are going to knock on him. And, you know, obviously, as you said, this could turn out like Steve Kerr, which, I mean, Steve Kerr had a bit of coaching experience because he was a coach consistent with Pop. But anyway, first-year head coach. Or it could turn out like Jason Kidd, where he had no coaching experience at all, and we obviously know what happened with that. 
But, you know, we'll have to see with Steve Nash. You know, I expect big things from him. Uh, I expect big things from this team. Fully healthy next year. They will be one of the best in the NBA. Top of the Eastern Conference for sure. Uh, knocking on wood that no injuries happen. Um, and, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, are, they're going to be very, very exciting for years to come. And now, let's stay in the NBA and let's talk about some more awards that came out. And we're going to be talking about John Morant winning the Rookie of the Year Award and Montrez Harrell of the Clippers getting the Sixth Man of the Year Award. All right, so let's talk about John Morant first. John Morant, like, he got drafted second overall. And he was taking over a Grizzlies team that, that was that was just entering a new era and just ended the great and grand era with Mike Conley and Marcus Saul, which was basically just a defensive team that had a, that basically lacked a lot of offense. But now the Grizzlies are entering this new era with John Morant and, and Josh Valanciunas and, like, J- Jaron Jackson Jr. and, like, Brandon Clark. No, Brandon Clark, sorry. But they still have some young pieces around him, and... The, and John Morant was like one of the leaders on that team, and one of the leaders, one of the reasons why, like the the, the Grizzlies were were in the ninth seed, and and were and almost made the playoffs, but they didn't lose to the Blazers, unfortunately. But but this but this Grizzlies team has a bright future, and and John Morant deserves this a lot. He does he deserves a lot of credit for that team, uh, but not all of the credit though. So yeah. Obviously, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about John Morant, and then we can both talk about Montrez. Um, so, John Morant, yeah, clear-cut rookie of the year. I don't think it comes close at all. Zion, you know, he's been absolutely amazing. But he, John Morant has been doing this for the whole year. Obviously, we expect big things from Zion. He's obviously, well, looking like the person that we saw coming out of Duke. But John Morant is just absolutely phenomenal as well. You know, obviously, as we said, the Grizzlies were projected to be at the bottom of the Western Conference this year. And with that team around them and John Morant, you know, their chemistry building up, you know, and they were almost like the playoffs. That's unbelievable with that Grizzlies team. I'm very, very shocked by that. And John Morant definitely deserves this award. Montrez Harrell, which I think Montrez Harrell, like, um, I don't think he was the best player that they could have picked, but I do think he deserves this because, like, Montrez Harrell, like, I think he was once a G League player before he was on the Clippers, or, or at least, like, a rotation player that wasn't even in the rotation. But Montrez Harrell has, has shown, like, he got some talent, even though he's pretty undersized for the center position, center position which I think he's, like, about 6'10. I think he's 6'9. Yeah, that's. That's like PJ. That's no, it's not like PJ Tucker, but whatever. That's like, as we know, he's pretty undersized at center. Which that's, it's hard to be a good center if you if if you're undersized. Like you have to be, I think, at least like six ten or six eleven to to be like a traditional center though. But Montrezl Harrell, like he he has proved it to he has proved to break that mold because like Montrezl Harrell, like he's a great defensive player. That that's been leading that bench with, along with Lou Will, which he was in the running, but he didn't he didn't win it. And also, a known fact about the Clippers bench, I, I think for the past ten or five years, actually I think it's ten, the Clippers have won the Six Man of the Year award. That's unbelievable. That's crazy. 
That is crazy for a team to do that. But yeah, Montrezl Harrell, um, I agree with you again here. Um, I don't think he should have won it, but, you know, um, he did. So I thought my pick was Dennis Schroeder, but, you know, we're not going to get into that. It's probably because the Clippers moved on, that's why. And, you know, um, Montrezl Harrell uh, right now, I would definitely say he's a better uh, bench piece right now than now. Williams obviously in the playoffs not doing good. Montrez obviously has. You know, he's that key factor off the bench that the Clippers need. And, you know, he he was definitely worthy of winning this award. And now let's talk about our final topic for the NBA. And we're gonna be talking about our continuation on the NBA playoffs. Again, we're going to say the NBA playoffs have been absolutely amazing. Nothing short of disappointing. And, you know, there's been so many great series. Um, we're going to be talking about all of them and then, you know, giving our opinions on it. So I guess let's start off with, uh, let's start off with the round ones that we still didn't get to. So we'll talk about Utah and Denver first. And obviously we know that Denver won that series four to three. Alright, so the Utah Jazz like started off the series with a three one lead when we previously reported this or a three two lead. I'm not really too sure, but Utah Jazz looked like they're in position to like upset the Nuggets. But but as we all know, like Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic rallied their team to come back from a three one lead and in Game Seven, notably, Nikola Jokic just went off. Like Jamal Murray had an off night, like that in Game Seven, but he still did enough to to, to make the Nuggets win. And and like uh, like in the first half of Game of Game Seven, like Utah Jazz and Donovan Mitchell were were doing really good against them, and Donovan Mitchell was one, it was one of the main reasons why you're winning. And then in the first half. Of game seven, Donovan Mitchell I think he only had like two points on like five of like three or four turnovers, and Jordan Clarkson was the leading scorer with like I think five points, five or seven points, and then only scored three points for the rest of the game. But and then like after this, and then like I think mid, at like I think four, 13 minutes in into the third quarter, like Donovan Mitchell just went off and leading the Utah comeback along with Rudy Gobert. And then, like in the fourth quarter, like I'm just gonna talk about the final player right now. So, so what Utah was trying to do was like they're trying to pass it Donovan Mitchell, and then they're trying to get an ISO for they're, they're doing an ISO, and and Donovan Mitchell was cutting it, and he didn't really take a shot. And I think they were trying to get the rest to bail him out, but they didn't get the call, and and Donovan Mitchell got the ball stripped away from him. The Nuggets were driving down to the court. They took a shot, and then they missed, and then. And Utah got it back, and Mike on the home side game winning shot from half court. I think it's from half court. I don't know, but Mike Conley almost made, almost sent the, the Jazz to to the second round, but it, it rimmed out, and and Utah Jazz lost. And Tommy Mitchell was very emotional after that game, which who which who can blame him? And there, and I'm just gonna talk about the respect from Jamal Murray and Tommy Mitchell. Like these two guards are. Are one of the future are gonna be the future best guards in the NBA. Yeah, very very sportsmanlike from Donovan Mitchell 
and Jamal Murray. Obviously, yes, two future great at their positions, you know. So, yeah, this series has been arguably the best series of the playoffs. I mean, like, we saw a 3-1 lead comeback right now from the Denver Nuggets. We saw, obviously, Jamal Murray. He now evolved. He scored 50 points, I think, almost for three straight games. And now, Game 7, obviously, he had the off night, but Nikola Jokic and that team still was able to hold on and win. And, you know, the Jazz, you know, like, let's give a round of applause to the Jazz, you know. No one expected them to beat the Nuggets, you know. Everyone thought the Nuggets were going to win in at least five or six games. And, you know, they shocked everyone by going up 3-1. Unfortunately, they were not able to close it out. And they lost in seven, but, you know, fair play to the Jazz and the Nuggets, you know. Two amazing teams, two bright future teams, and going to be Western Conference contenders for years to come. And we'll talk about the other first-round matchup we missed in the West, and that is OKC and Houston. And we obviously saw that Houston came out on top. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna give this straight up. Like, I didn't watch the series at all, so I'm just gonna be basing my my thoughts on on some clips I saw and, and box score. So, like, and I'm just gonna talk about Game Seven right now. So, Game Seven with with Rockets, uh, we're I think up by two, and then oh no, the game was tied, and then oh no, actually it was actually I'm gonna talk about Game Six. So, like, so Rockets are no, the the, the Thunder were up by two, and and the Rockets were looking like to tie this game or to or try to shoot three to win it. But Russell Westbrook um, choked in the playoffs again and, and and fouled, I think, Chris Paul. And then, and then he hit both of those three throws. And then Rockets, like, try to, hit a th- try to hit a three, but it missed. And that's why they lost game six. And then game seven, like, that, that game was just good. Like... Uh, like Harden, even though he was kind of disappointing, though he, he only had 17 points, only shot like only shot like he was one for nine for three. But he still did enough to like make his team win. Robert Covington had 21 and 10 somehow. Eric Gordon had 21. Russell Westbrook had 20 points. It's kind of disappointing, but whatever. Almost had a double double though. But then, like, if you look at the Thunder, like Luke Dort had 30 points, which I think. He, which Luke Quinn's story wasn't like isn't like a star quality player at all, but then like he turned it on in, in Game Seven and had this mo- I think a career game. And then like and then Chris Paul had had a triple double. Shea Goodge Shea Alexander had nineteen. Like it was all around a good series, and I think Rockets deserve to win it. So yeah, I just want to immediately just go to Game Seven. Yeah. You know, that Rocket supporting cast, even though James Harden struggled, their supporting cast really helped them. That's what helped them win. You know, James Harden has an off night. They usually do not win that game. But now the supporting cast coming up clutch in Game 7, and they helped the Rockets move on to the next round. Obviously for the Thunder, very disappointing for them. But, you know... Obviously, I want to take another round of applause and for the Thunder, you know. This was projected to be the worst 
team in the Western Conference. The Oklahoma City Thunder were projected to be the worst team in the Western Conference this year. And Chris Paul and that whole team just proved everybody wrong. They, he proved every single one of them wrong. Obviously, now he got the, the Thunder to the fifth seed in the West. The West, obviously, is more competitive than the Eastern Conference, and that is unbelievable. For, I think, I think he's 33 now, 34, something like that, 33, 34-year-old Chris Paul, showing that he's still a top-five point guard in this league, that he's still amazing. And, you know, that's supporting cast by OKC as well. You know, they'll be better if Chris Paul doesn't request a trade or if he still stays. You know, they'll be back again, and that future is looking bright in OKC. And now let's get on with the second round so far. And I guess we're, we're going to be talking about uh, one that actually ended. The one that just ended today in a game seven, we had the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, and Boston came out on top four to three. All right, so the Celtics, like, whenever they, I'm gonna say it tonight, whenever they won against the Raptors, they were they were blowouts. But then, like, I think game, I think three happened, or game four. Not really too sure, but game. I think it was game four. And then, like, yeah, it was game four. So, yeah, so, um, so, like, it was like in the final game. I mean, no, the final, I think, seconds. I think it was like three seconds left on the, on the clock. And then, like, um, OG, OG and Newbie was wide open. And Jalen Brown left him wide open. And OG and Newbie shot, shot a game winner. And, and he hit it. And, and the Raptors took that momentum into Game Four and won and won that game. And then, like in Game Five, the Celtics just destroyed them. And then the Raptors won Game Six in a, in a double OT, which is that, that was exciting. Kyle Lowry had thirty-three points, and Marcus Smart had a triple double. And then Game Seven, like Game Seven was entertain was an entertaining game. Like I have a statement now: the clear-cut best two players from this series. And to me, it were Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, it wasn't it wasn't Kemba. It was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Because like Jalen Brown, like he has been good in these playoffs along with, with Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, and it's been one of the reasons why they're in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. And Jason Tatum has has been, and it's been proven why he is still a great player, and and to not underrate him. And the Celtics, I think, like overall, were, had a better team. They were too fast for Toronto, and uh, t- Toronto doesn't really have the best defensive uh, players besides, like I think Norman Norman Powell. But they just have like a bunch of shooters, and and like kind of just like a lot of pieces from their championship squad from la- from tr- last year, and it got this far. So let's give a round the round of applause for the Raptors because this was the team that. We thought it was gonna majorly fall off, but they didn't, and got eliminated in the second round. But that's, that's not bad for like a team that just lost their star player. So yeah, um, yeah, I'll talk about the Raptors as well. Um, obviously, we saw they won the nineteen NBA Finals. You know, 
obviously unbelievable run. Kawhi Leonard and that team, unbelievable. And then now they lost Kawhi Leonard, obviously, to the Clippers. And yeah, everyone thought they were falling off to five, six seed, four seed. And they proved them wrong. They are the number two seed, just a couple games behind Milwaukee. And, you know, they honestly looked better than Milwaukee. These playoffs, you know, if it feels like a seven game series, you might take the Raptors over Milwaukee. But right now, you know, the Raptors, I'm like, very surprised by them making it this far. You know, they're a very great, deep team. You know, they're going to be competitive, as we know now, for a long, long time in that Eastern Conference. And obviously, we still have a lot to watch about Pascal Siakam. You know, man, he's an unbelievable player at the age that he is right now. And he's only going to continue to get better. Even though these playoffs, he wasn't the best. You know, he's going to learn from that, and he's only going to get better. The Celtics, obviously, Jason Tatum is proving why he's a top 10 player in the league. Jason Tatum played absolutely nuts this series. One of the key factors on how the Celtics were able to get past the Raptors, they just didn't have an answer for him. They did not have an answer for Jason Tatum. Yeah, as you said, I want to touch on Jalen Brown as well. You know, I was very surprised by him these playoffs, you know. Jalen Brown, yeah, second best player right now from this past series is him. Jalen Brown played unbelievable. And, you know, him and Tatum, dynamic duo there. And then, obviously, they have Kemba as well, who didn't do the best, but obviously didn't do the worst. And now, next series we'll talk about is... Miami and Milwaukee, which we all know how that turned out. Miami won that series 4-2-1. So, like, the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks, they came off of, they came off a series that they looked good in. Like, Milwaukee won one in five games, even though they kind of disappointed in game one. But the Heat swapped the, the Pacers in their first round series, so this looked like it was going to be a good matchup. Look like if I can go like five, six game, like six or seven games, but it ended up going to five games. But it went up in it went to Miami's way, which if you watch our predictions, I predicted that the Bucks are gonna win the whole thing, and you can laugh at me, but whatever. And the Milwaukee Bucks, like honestly, they have disappointed me because like when you have like I, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the league MVP. I think, right? He's going to win it. Yeah, he should for his second straight year. Possibly back-to-back MVPs. Has a great supporting cast with the the team that's going all in and all out trying to win a championship and got eliminated in the second round by by Miami Heat team outside by Jimmy Butler and like a bunch of shooters. A bunch of shooters like Tyler Harrow, which he was amazing in that series. Um, Kendrick Nunn, Kelly Olynyk, My- Myers Leonard, like those are like great shooters right there, and they got done. They they out- they outplayed this this Bucks team, which I'm gonna touch on game game four for a second. Which Chris, like this was the game that Giannis wasn't that well. Giannis played for like only 
11 minutes and then like he, he went into the locker room it was a it was a sprained ankle it looked like he was, he was probably gonna be off like one or two games and so this team was left in the hands of Chris Milton which he was uh, which he was the second best player on that team which he was an all-star like two straight years which so he's not a bad player he's a great player but I don't think Chris Milton is a guy you can lead you can lead to yeah, like the best player on your team and win the championship. But Chris Milton proved it in one game, which he had 36 points, almost almost a triple double, and 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 I think with like 23 seconds left, Chris Milton hit 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 a three pointer in Tyler Hero's face that that pushed it to to a four point game. But then like but then like the Heat tied it and went in and it went into overtime and the Bucks won. But but we all know this was not gonna last. Like, the Heat looked like they were just a better team overall, and they deserve it. And this is the Heat. This is the Miami Heat's first Eastern Conference Finals since the LeBron era. Yeah, that's very nice for the Heat. So yeah, the Bucks, you know, hit very very hard with the injury to the reigning MVP Giannis, the best player in the league right now. You know, it's very, it's a shame, you know, that that happened. Unfortunately, it will happen, though. Injuries do happen. And, you know, hoping the best for Giannis, hoping the best for that Bucks team moving forward. But, yeah, that, that Heat team just outplayed them. The Miami Heat just outplayed the Milwaukee Bucks this series. And now we got Heat and Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Man, that matchup's going to be amazing. Like, you know, the Heat just, you know, they outplayed them. They outplayed the Bucks this series, you know. Chris Middleton, cash money, you know, he did all he could. He really did all he could. And, you know, unfortunately, it was not enough. But, you know, the Bucks taking a game, I think that's something to be proud of. Moving on to the next series, we'll have... Denver and the Los Angeles Clippers, which we know that the Clippers are now up in that series three to two after tonight's game. Well, well actually, the Clippers won. No, no, the the Nuggets won. Nuggets won. Nuggets, yeah. So this is this. I'm gonna say this now. This has been either like the Lakers or or, or Rockets or this series has been kind of boring. Because, like, there's really, like, no, like, big moments, really. It's always, like, uh, it kind of felt like it was, uh, like, the predictors were always right. Because, like, even though, like, the Clippers, I think, have the better team, like, this past that I don't think they're not playing like it. I I do think that they are the be- still the best team in, in the West, but I'm still, but slowly I'm losing that if, if they go to the game seven with the Nuggets. But Kawhi had like, but Kawhi had thirty six in, in game six, I believe. Well, this was game five. Oh, game five, game five. But Kawhi Leonard had thirty six. We met Pat P again, so that's cool. But then like no one really dancing for that team. And then like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic like have been like have been going off this playoffs. Paul Millsap surprisingly had a good game for being on the bench, seventeen points. But the most notable about this game is that, like, the Clippers were up 17 points, well, no, 16 points, and the Nuggets still won. So that's that's kind of concerning. But yeah. the Nuggets, 
arguing this a series, which we, we should applaud them because this is still a young team that, that is going up against like two two top fifteen players and and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So yeah, um, the Nuggets and Clippers. Yeah, this series has not been the most entertaining. I'm pretty sure almost all the games have been blowouts. You know, and obviously, yeah, I'd love to touch on like what you said. You know, Clippers are up by 16 and they still lost the game. That is very concerning. If I'm a Clippers fan right now, which I'm not, and you know. I, I would be nervous about Game Six. You know, we obviously saw what the Nuggets did when they were down three-one. You know, will it happen again? Don't know. We'll have to see. But you know, I'd be a bit shooken right now if I was the Clippers. And moving on to our final series of the playoffs so far, we have the Houston Rockets and Los Angeles Lakers, which the Lakers are up in that series three-two-one. Again, like I said, this has been a this that series has been a, has been dull as well. Like other than like other like okay, never mind. Basically, all these games have been blowouts. They've been, they've been won 10, 10 plus ten points or plus. Like at first, like the Rockets destroyed destroyed the Lakers in game one, which Harden, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Eric Gordon combined for eighty three points, which that's really cool, good. And then LeBron James and Anthony Davis just just turned up because like because like the Rockets don't really have anyone that that can defend either of them because like this team because like the Rockets are not a very good defending team if if not like probably the worst defending team in the playoffs but they they have but they are like the the most scoring team so that probably should make up for it but it's not but LeBron James and Anthony Davis two of the top five players in the NBA in my in my opinion like on the same team like they can just like they're taking advantage of their matchups because like they don't really have because like the Rockets don't have that many good defenders like you're not going to put P.J. Tucker on Anthony Davis like you already know how it's going to go like P.J. Tucker is pretty undersized compared to Anthony Davis and like LeBron like again has been like the best player on this team in the playoffs even though, even though Davis, Anthony Davis is doing good, I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna put all the credit to LeBron. Anthony Davis is doing tremendous in this series too. Um, so you know, we expected this. Like, um, you know, we expected Houston to take a game because we thought Harden was gonna go off for you know like fifty or something. He hasn't done that so far yet, but you know. This comes down to the the Rockets just being too short of a team and just not good on defense. It just comes down to that. Obviously, I'm going to touch on what you said. Davis, there's no one on that team is going to guard him. LeBron, there's no one on that team that's going to guard him. Obviously, the Lakers don't shoot well, but you're, you honestly don't have to if you're going to face a team that's 6-8 and under. Right. You cannot have a team 6-8 and under against Anthony Davis and this Lakers team. Well, yeah, because, like, they trade Clint Capella to the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, if they had Capella, you know, this would be an interesting series. Obviously, they don't know. And, you know, you're not going to win a series 
like this while he's still having a top five player in the league in Anthony Davis just absolutely dismantling your team because he's the biggest player out there. You can't do anything about it. So that is it for the playoffs so far. Let's get into our next topic. Back to football. We're going to be talking about the young quarterback, Josh Rosen, the most unluckiest quarterback of all time. Maybe not all time. One of the most unlucky quarterbacks. He now got signed. He got signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. Josh Rosen has been, his career has been interesting. Because, like, in the draft, he was, he was, I think, the third or fourth best, actually, third best quarterback in the draft. He came out of UCLA, which UCLA doesn't really have that many great players. And, like, Josh Rosen, I think, was was taken 10th overall by the Arizona Cardinals, which honestly looked like a steal because, like, because, like, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield were, were taken in the draft. And then, like, the Cardinals needed, needed a QB as well. So, and they're obviously, they're still rebuilding it. So it made sense because, like, uh, jo- Josh Rosen, we all thought he was like uh, he was the best passer in the draft, but he hasn't been looking like. But it's because, like, the, partially it's because like a team had never really has believed in him because, like, because like after his rookie season where he did terrible, had no one around him, had a bad had a bad offense, had a bad defense, just had no support. This had a, that just set up for a recipe of a 3-13 record. And according to NFL, was the worst team of the decade. But but after that season, they hired Cliff Kingsbury and fired Steve Wilkes. And Cliff Kingsbury, like, with the number one overall pick, drafted Kyler Murray and then, and then drafted... No, no. And then traded Josh Rosen in the, in the draft to the Dolphins for, I think, his second-round pick. Second, yeah, and then like he only, I think he's only played like two or three games. I think he played three, yeah. He started like three games, and then like he's done terrible. But again, like it was clear, like the Dolphins were like they were just using him for like one year. Well, as we thought, but then like he got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, which they had to, which they went like a five and eleven rate. They went. Uh, five and eleven, yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Five and eleven with Ryan Patrick, and uh, now got and then got cut this offseason and then got then is getting signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad, which I think this could be the one where a team does believe in him because like you do, even though he's not on the official roster, he still gets to learn by Tom Brady, the so-called goats. But I'm not gonna get in the argument right now. But I think this could really benefit. Josh Rosen, because like he's never really had a competent coaching staff to develop him, because like he he has like all the he has coaching and he has players to learn from. He has Bruce Arians, the court the QB whisperer, and he has Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like if he if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity, like he could be out of the NFL like after the season. I completely agree with everything you said. You know. Rosen has obviously not been given the chance as much, you know. Honestly, Cardinals, they drafted Murray. Dolphins, they benched him for Fitzpatrick, you know. Now he gets cut. 
is now signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. You know, I believe he will be the starter whenever Tom Brady's gone, if he stays there. And, you know, I hope he does very, very well there. You know, he's just been so unlucky, you know. He has the, the talent, you know. He has the talent. He just needs to be given a chance, you know. And we'll see if he gets that chance in Tampa Bay, you know. Tom Brady is 43 years old. We obviously know he only has a couple more years left. I'm pretty sure that two-year contract with the Buccaneers probably is last. And and then the reins will be given to Josh Rosen and see what he does with the Buccaneers team. Obviously, he'll have a ton of weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray, Gronk, if he's still there or if he will retire with Brady. And, you know, I think he's set up for the future. I think he's set up for the future. I think he's set up well. And moving on to the next topic, we're going to be talking about Adrian Peterson. He was cut by the Washington football team and has now been signed to the Detroit Lions. Okay, so Adrian Peterson, like, I kind of found this surprising because, like, it didn't because like Adrian Peterson like liked it in Washington, even though he almost had like a thousand. I think he was a thousand yards, or I think he almost hit it. But he still it still was a good season because like he's in his late thirties, he's like thirty six now, and he's st- and he has that type of season. Like running backs like, normally do not have that type of season when they're in their mid thirties because like at that age they're usually going down, like they're usually regressing. But he's having a few resurgence, which that's good for him. But. He sounds the Lions, which uh, it's a terrible fit for him because, like, he has to share carries with 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 the young running backs, Carryon Johnson and rookie DeAndre Swift. Which, honestly, looking like thinking this in my head right now, this, this could just be for mentoring for like DeAndre Swift because, like, he he is a great running back and is a rookie and, and needs someone like to to teach him like how to be to how to be like a better runner and. And to be like a complete all-around running back, and Adrian Peterson is, I think, can be that mentor that he needs. Yeah, you know, Peterson obviously one of the greatest running backs of all time. You know, at least of the generation. And you know, um, you know, I whenever I first saw the move, I didn't like it because obviously they had on Johnson, Andre Swift. But now, yeah, I see this as a mentor. Yeah. I see it just like you do. Mentoring DeAndre Swift, mentoring Carrion Johnson. I would say morally DeAndre Swift. He's a rookie. You know, getting the Lions prepared for the future. I would have loved for him to go back to Minnesota. I thought that would have been fun. Him to be the actual backup behind Dalvin Cook. Him being back in Minnesota. But, you know, he'll be in that division. We'll see him miss Minnesota twice a year. And, you know, we'll see what happens with them. See what happens with AP. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. You know, he's going to obviously retire in a couple of years. You know, an all-time great. All-time great there. And next, we got big news coming out of Tennessee. And that is that Jadavion Clowney obviously was signed by the Titans a couple days ago. I think it was like one year, fifteen point two million, but whatever. 
Jermaine Van Clowney, like he's he's still like a, in his prime, a good young pass rusher, which which honestly which came off a good season with the Seahawks and the Texans, which he got traded to the Texans. The Texans previously, I think, like fourth and fifth, but then and then got traded to Seahawks, which was one of the main contributors on why that Seahawks defense was. I I don't know if it was that good, but I just don't, Let's just say service, serviceable for Russell Wilson in the offense to to be careful of, of stopping an offense, but today McClendon was good in Seattle and he he was kind of good in the playoffs, kind of disappointed me, but whatever. And then and then he's a free agent, didn't get signed for I think two or three months. If I'm ready. I think it was more. Oh, yeah, whatever, but. It was surprising that he didn't get signed for this long, and he and he signed to the Titans, which honestly, it kind of it kind of goes either way for me because like, even though they have like Harold Landry and like I think Vic Beasley, it just doesn't make sense. Like the linebacker core is like too stacked because like they have like like the Titans have like on the defense have like a lot of players that have potential that are starting to hit their primes, but they're not reaching it. Like that's why I don't know like where to go if I if I can say this is a good signing or if not, but I'm gonna say it is because it feels a need for Edge because like they need another Edge and according to Davion Clowney he said that his past with Mike Rabel is one of the reasons why he went to Tennessee and obviously this this Giants team came off of an, of an AFC Championship appearance. Um yeah I think this was a clear um. Um, obviously, Connie knew that this was his favorite, and then he hesitated, and then the Saints, and then back here. And obviously, yeah, it comes down to him and Mike Vrabel. You know, that connection, you know, is the reason why he went to Tennessee. You know, I don't know if they, like, uh, edge rusher was a number one need for the Titans, but, you know. They obviously get a very good one. Obviously, in his prime, Jadavion Clowney. Now to go with Harold Landry. I would not want to play the Titans, you know, with their edge rushers. And, you know, Clowney, still young. He's still going to learn. And under now head coach Mike Vrabel, um, we'll see how he does in Tennessee. And see if he returns to the old colony of Houston. And next topic, we're going to be getting into the extensions. So get prepared. We have five extensions. First one we're going to be talking about is the superstar cornerback from the Buffalo Bills, Tredavious White. And I'll check that contract right now. Yeah, okay. you can. Okay, so Tredavious White, like he was, in, he was in like that. I think twenty fifteen or sixteen draft class. If I'm right, I think it was twenty. No, yeah, twenty. No, twenty seventeen. I'm sorry, twenty seventeen draft class, which had a lot. Of, like looking back on it, it, was a decent draft class, but it was had a lot of uncertain talent. Like at the time, it's like Tredavious White, like. Because like no one expected him to be like the like the first cornerback to be taken. Because like there wasn't like really a like that a lot of talent at corner. Because like people thought like the best corner in that draft was Sidney Jones, which 
which now he which he got which he got graded to the second round pick because like he he got injured and in, I think his pro day or or combine. But James White was the first corner taken, and he's proven to me to be worth that pick because like James White is is has been one of the main reasons why that Buffalo Bills defense is is so great. It was so great last year. And why the Bills made the playoffs last year, even though they lost to Deshaun Watson and the Texans in a heartbreaking loss, but that's still a good season for them. And Tredavious White, like I think, is a top three corner right now. To me, probably third or second. I don't know, but I think he deserves this deal. I think it was like four years, four years, seventy or eighty million. It was four years, seventy million. Yeah, yeah, four years, seventy million. Like, and he deserves this. Yeah, I completely agree. Tredavious White is a top three corner right now. Right now, I put him number three. But yeah, he's just been absolutely phenomenal ever since hitting the league. You know, Tredavious White, as you said, key, very, very key factor on that Bills defense that made him a top five defense last year. You know, their cornerback group could use some improvement. Their safeties are fine, just the corners. You know, maybe get him a second star over there, but you know, right now, Tredavious White, he he's been locking up everybody. He he's an amazing cornerback, and he definitely is very well worth this money. And now, moving on to the next extension, we're gonna be talking about Keenan Allen, who got a four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Keenan Allen, like for I think about a decade, if I'm right. Um, I don't think he's played for a decade yet. Oh, I'm gonna see right now. Keenan Allen like has been a great player for like a long time. He he was out of he came out of Cal California, which Cal doesn't really produce that many good players. Which I think before that, their last Cal's last great player that went to the draft was Aaron Rodgers. But but Keenan Allen like he he is very good. I think in my position no, in my opinion. He's probably the best possession receiver in the league. Like people are sleeping on Keenan Allen. I think he's a top ten, top ten receiver. But I think Keenan Allen deserves this deal because, like, he's been like the best, been the best receiver on that Chargers team for like I think seven, five years. I think seven, seven years. Which and he doesn't drop the ball. Like what? Like once he catches it, he doesn't drop it. And Keenan Allen, like, I feel like the concern starts to come after, I think, year three or four. Like, he could start regressing at, at that, at, at like 30, 30, 31, but who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree again. You know, Keenan Allen, I would probably agree. Yeah, he's the, probably the best possession receiver in the NFL right now. Um, very well worth the money that he got. You know, has been super underrated his whole career. You know, Chargers got him in 2013. You know, he's been a, a very stud receiver for them. It's been amazing. You know, that number one receiver, definitely top ten, definitely a top ten receiver in the league right now. And you know, he finally got that huge extension, and you know, very well worth it. And now, moving on to the third one, we're going to be talking about probably the biggest one out of them all, and that is star quarterback Deshaun Watson 
got his extension with the Texans, which is a four-year, $160 million deal. The second highest paid player, highest paid player in the league. Uh-huh. Deshaun Watson, like, which he came out of college, which right now he's probably the greatest Clemson quarterback in, in their history. And Deshaun Watson, like, I think got taken by the, the 12th pick, if I'm correct, by the Texans, and he played like eight games in his rookie year, and then got injured. In, got injured in practice, torn ACL, and then missed most of his rookie season. And then John Watson, like he's been a great, a great, great quarterback. Like at times, he's been carrying that offense. I'm not gonna say it was all like DeAndre Hopkins, but it was some some of the credit goes to goes to Sean Watson as well. Because like I think he's the, the best deep ball deep ball thrower, as you know, but the second best deep ball thrower in the league behind Russell Wilson. But Deshaun Watson, like, he has been, like, a really, really good quarterback. Still young. He could, you know, become... He could still be better at certain areas in his game. But this all relies on, like, the team the Texans are playing around him, which it's not that great right now. But he, I think he can work with it and make the playoffs with them. But Deshaun Watson, I think he deserves this contract. Um, yeah, I agree again, you know. Sean Watson has been nothing short of outstanding for that Texans team. Very well worth it. Obviously, people got scared because of his injury and then his injury problems at Clemson, of course. But, man, he's just been absolutely phenomenal for the Texans. Obviously, he's only 24 years old, and he got this four-year $160 million extension. Unbelievable! He's now the second highest paid player in the league right now, as you said. And, you know, I would almost say, yeah, he's worth that. You know, he's been an amazing, amazing player for that Texans offense and has really helped them throughout these past three or four years. And second to last, we're going to be talking about the Steelers defensive end Cameron Hayward. Who got extended? And I'm gonna look at it right now. It was a four-year, sixty-five point six million dollar deal. Cameron Hayward, like he, he has been, he has been a great player for I think about a decade with, with the Steelers. Actually, no, he started breaking out I think when he was like I think twenty-five or twenty-six. If I'm correct, but. Karen Hayward has been a really solid defensive end. Kind of underrated, though. But Karen Hayward, I think, kind of a little too much money for, like, a defensive end. That's, I think it's in his mid-30s, if I'm right. Uh, just... Not mid-30s, he's 31. Okay, well, that's just entering his 30s. But Karen Hayward, like, he has been a great defensive lineman. But I don't think he... He's been underrated, though, but I, I think I was barely playing on my top 10, but he has been, like, one of the contributors along with along with um, Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. I'm why that Steelers defense w- was a top five last year but and almost made the playoffs, but they didn't because Mason Rudolph sucks. But do I think do I think Aaron Hayward deserves this? Um, for the money he's getting, probably not, but it's kind of because of his age because, like, because, like, I, I expect him to start regressing after, like, 32 or 33, but that's just my opinion. So, 
So, um, yeah, I, I agree again, you know. Um, Cameron Hayward, yes, very, very underrated player. He's absolutely amazing. But, you know, the, the contract he got, you know, I would dim that down a bit. I wouldn't give him that high of an extension, you know. He is 31, and obviously he's going to start regressing eventually. So, you know, he'll probably still be good for about two, three years, and then, you know, he'll start regressing. But for right now, he is um, an amazing player, probably a top 10 defensive end right now. And, you know, the Steelers, you know, um, that defense, you know, just amazing. Amazing. So, you know, Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka, their secondary, the linebackers, you know, all that is what made them a top five defense last year. And then moving on to our final extension, it's going to be a superstar cornerback, Jalen Ramsey. He got extended, and it was a massive five-year, $105 million deal. The highest paid for a cornerback ever in NFL history. Yep, 20 mil. Jalen Ramsey absolutely deserves this because, like, I think he's like about 25 years old. Like, he could, he's only gonna get better from here. Like, Jalen Ramsey is a superstar corner. I think he got drafted, like, I think fifth overall for the Jaguars in, I think, 2016, 2015. Like, it was 2016, yeah. In 2016, which he's worth that that pick. He was great with the Jaguars and then had, had a falling out with, with the Jaguars and then got traded. And they got traded to the Rams at the last minute, which was, to me, at that trade was a desperate attempt for a defense to get back together. Because, because like at the time, the Rams were not, were not like the Super Bowl like, we were going through a Super Bowl hangover and, and did not look like the same team that went to the Super, that went to the Super Bowl. But, but then like the Rams traded two first, and, and I think a, and I think a fourth as well, which. We all thought it was too high because, like, it could be risky because, like, um, because, like, Jan Ramsey, like, at the time wasn't really playing that good because, like, I think he was, I think he was doing that on purpose or whatever, or holding out. But, but, like, we all thought the Rams paid too high a price, but I, th- I, I think he's worth that deal though because, like, Jan Ramsey is still a top two cornerback in the league and just behind Stephon Gilmore, but. But Jalen Ramsey is only 25, and he's going to enter his prime, and I think he deserves this deal. I agree. You know, Jalen Ramsey only being 25 years old and getting this deal just outstanding. And, you know, he's been an outstanding player. The top two cornerback, yeah, I would put him behind um, Stephon Gilmore right now as well. But, you know, he's still phenomenal. He locks up every receiver he's on, and they do not target Jalen Ramsey at all. He does not get targeted throughout the game, and he takes away their number one receiver. Highest paid contract for a cornerback ever. I definitely think he deserves it. You know, he's not even in his prime yet, and once he gets to his prime, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal for that Rams team. And then, obviously, I'll talk about this uh, briefly. Um, so, 
the reports came out like I think two weeks ago or something like that that the Rams and Jalen Ramsey were not close to an extension and uh, now this happened so obviously those rumors were false and you know he's now the highest paid cornerback of all time Wait, do you remember what? Well, Adam, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but like, do you remember what? Like, it, when he kept, when he got, when he got mad, at, that 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 reporters kept asking him on 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 this contract extension. Yes, I remember that. He he kept getting mad at all of them. Which honestly, yeah, he has a right to. That's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that does it with our extensions. Now we're gonna move on to some news that was actually very shocking. And, you know, that is going to be that head coach Billy Donovan for the Oklahoma City Thunder will not be returning for their head coach next season. I find this very shocking because, like, I don't think Billy Donovan is a great coach, but I think he is, like, a good coach for that team, that for the Thunder, even though, like, they surprised us all with, 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 the, with the fifth seed and lost to the Rockets in Game 7. Like before that season, people thought he was he was one of the worst coaches, if not the worst coach in the league. Because like he he kept getting he kept getting uh, like take like getting kicked out in the playoffs in the first round, except for 20, 2015 or yeah, it was no twenty sixteen actually twenty sixteen when they made the Western Conference Finals, but lost to the Golden State Warriors when they choked a few through one lead, and then and then Kevin Durant left, and then Russell Westbrook it was his team now at the first round, and then. Sam Presti trade for Chris Paul out of the first round and out of the first round again, and then and they blew up the team basically. Which at that time people thought like he was a terrible coach because like people thought he he didn't make adjustments and like he he just he didn't fit with was Russell Westbrook's play style. But but now like he's been now he coached like the Oklahoma no. Yeah, the Oklahoma City Thunder with this team led by Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander and Steven Adams. Uh, so this team with the fifth seed and obviously again, I, like I said, lost to the Rockets in Game Seven. But but I think this is a but it was still surprising and he and Billy Donovan was one of the main factors on why that team was good and now he's like now he's like one return. Like, that's kind of shocking. Like. It's definitely he's looking for another NBA job, but like he's always he's not going to go to college. But and on where I'm speculating that he's going to go, I, I don't. I really don't know. No one knows where he's going to go if he's done coaching at all. Yeah, um, I was very shocked by this as well. You know, I thought Billy Donovan. I was one of those people, you know, who didn't think he was a good coach, but now obviously he proved that wrong. And, you know, this past season with the Thunder led them to the fifth seed in the West. Obviously, they got eliminated by the Rockets in seven games. But, you know, for that team to be up there, like how I said earlier, everyone said that they're going to be the worst team in the West. You know, Billy Donovan, he should have been fired years ago. And, and he proved them wrong. Obviously, he is now not coming back. Very, very shocking. Thunder are going to have to look for a new head coach again. And, you know, um, I, I don't know who it's going to be or where Billy Donovan could go at all. I do not know at all. I don't know any possibilities right now. I mean, he has... I just want to see. 
I mean, he has been a head coach since like the nine, no, since like I think the early two thousands. So with the Florida Gators basketball team. Yeah, I'm like, he obviously could go back to college, but you know, I think he wants to stay in the NBA. At least if I was him. And now these next two topics are gonna be like, um, you know, not as like entertaining, and we usually make the topics but now these are very serious news um first one we'll talk about is uh star defensive end for the denver broncos von miller got hurt in practice and he is now out for the season it was a tendon yeah and now he's out for the season this this is very shocking and uh... This could possibly hurt. This could possibly hurt um, the Broncos' playoff chances already. And uh, and I'm saying that after you know they haven't played one game yet, but this could really hurt. Their, this is really gonna hurt their defense because like they don't really have that many good defense players left besides like Justin Simmons and I guess you can say Bradley Chubb. But they did lose like an AJ Bouye, but they did lose like Chris Harris on all that, which is a which is a huge loss already for that defense. And now they're gonna lose Von Miller, their best player, and if not, and probably a top three player on defense in the NFL. But um, it's very sad for Von Miller. Hopefully, he, hopefully he can recover from this. And uh, and Joyce and does he change my record prediction for the Broncos? Yes. I'm saying they go eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are high on the Broncos right now, and yeah, you know, with this news, I don't know. You know, this is definitely going to cost them a, a little bit of games. You know, by the impact that Von Miller has on that team, the leader of that defense, obviously, as we said, top five uh, defensive player in the NFL. Yeah, you know, it, it's just very sad to see. You know. Um, you know, he's obviously a Texas native, so I, I like to root for him, you know, because he's from Texas. Uh, you know, yeah, he went to AM. Um, so, yeah, this is just very sad news. Um, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, hopefully, he'll be back next season just ready and just more healthier than ever. And then now with another sad news and this has been going on now for I think almost three years now I know it's been over two but um, unfortunately um, star middle linebacker at the time from the Steelers Ryan Shazier has officially announced his retirement from the NFL which was due to what? Um, I believe he was paralyzed. I don't know. I'm gonna search it up right now. Which it was mon- it was Monday night game. I think it was like in the first or third. Was it like uh, something like that? Yeah. It was between those, but I think it was in the third. I think Andy Dalton like it did like a quick slant to I think to Tyler Boyd, and then then Ryan Chase here like tried to do tried to do like a like a head tackle, but. He did make the tackle, but it also cost him his NFL career and, and possibly 
the ability to walk. And I'm not kidding. Like, he, he was paralyzed and he couldn't be able to walk. And now, and he's slowly gaining his ability to walk right now. And he officially retired. And it's sad for us because, like, because, like, it, like Ryan Chase, we look like it, it looked like it was, this was this wasn't gonna happen though, cause like there was like no like hints that like well I guess there was like, a hint, cause like I guess he, he slowly gained along, but like like at the time like there was no hints that he was gonna retire though, because like it looked like like um th- that it was probably gonna be like a, a three or five year like recovery, and then like Ryan Chase would be back in the field, but it obviously since three years two or three years since it happened and he's officially hung up the cleats hung up the jersey and just moved on with life and I respect him for it and I wish the best for him um this is the very 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 sad news coming out of Pittsburgh Ryan Chazier you know obviously as you said went for the tackle and it has unfortunately uh, he suffered a severe spinal cord injury that, you know, he was not able to walk. He's lost the ability to walk. That is so saddening and, you know, very, very emotional for his family and for the Steelers organization. You know, wishing him a speedy, speedy recovery. Oh, man. And, you know, I think he made the right decision, you know. I don't think there's anything he can do about this. Shazier was an unbelievable player when he was on the field, a top five middle linebacker. And it's just so sad to see how this, how his career now comes down to this. And unfortunately, he is retired from the NFL. And, you know, wishing him and his family the best. And... I mean, we'll have to see what happens with Shazier. And I'm moving on to our next topic. We're going to be talking about um, last night's football game. The NFL is officially back. The best time of the year. The best time of the year. Sports, all sports are back right now. And but football, the one we care about the most, is back, and we couldn't be more happier. All right, okay, whatever. I guess I'll go. But it was the Thursday night game with Texans and Texans and Chiefs, which honestly I thought this was gonna be a good game, even though they lost DeAndre Hopkins. Texans lost DeAndre Hopkins, but I thought this was gonna be a close game. And I'm gonna be honest, it was a snooze fest. It was kind of a dull game. If you just if you just watch for the Texans side, but it was a fun game to watch if you're a Chiefs fan. Like, like in the start of the game, like the the Texans like made a stop and and like um they gave the ball to Sean Watson and 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 the, and the Texans and like the one player like out of that Hopkins out of the after after Hopkins trade, David Johnson, like. He he started off the game really really good. Had a touch. He scored their first touchdown, and then after that, their offense just was horrible. Like Watson, to me, was holding the ball on was holding the ball for too long, and uh, offensive line was not doing that good. She's got a lot of pressure on him, and John Watson had to do a lot of jump passes, which resulted in a lot of 
completions of an interception. But it was an amazing game for 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 the Chiefs defense and offense, even though they allowed twenty points. But but the Chiefs like like were getting a lot of pressure. They forced turnovers, and and their offense again like like. At, like the Texans defense just couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Even though like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, well actually Travis Kelsey had a good game. Tyree Kill had a bit of, a bit of an off night, and Demarcus Robinson like in first quarter like dropped two passes. But it, it was, in my opinion, it was a dull game. I'll probably rate it like a six out of ten if we if we rate games that we watch. But to me, it was very disappointing and. Even though it, it is the first game of the season, and that's exciting, that's exciting in it, on itself. It was a disappointment. This news best to me. Um, so I'm gonna agree with you here. Um, so I was watching this game up until the first half, and then I don't know if I was just tired or if I was just bored of the game. But man, like I passed out until. There was one minute left in the game, and I got to watch that. But, you know, this game, you know, was not entertaining, you know. Obviously, we saw what Patrick Mahomes could do. He is still the Mahomes we know, and it's still unbelievable. And, you know, fun fact, he only attempted one pass over 20 yards in this game. That is, wow, he is now very elusive now. We couldn't think he got better, and he did. But I want to talk about the running backs for both teams, and I'll start off with David Johnson. David Johnson looked like he turned back the clocks for at least the first half. David Johnson, you know, played outstanding, you know. 11 carries, 77 yards, 0.7 yards per carry, and then a touchdown, you know. David Johnson just played outstanding. And he really looks like the David Johnson of old. You know, if he can keep that up, you know, maybe the Texans didn't lose this trade too badly. And then now on to the rookie. The running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Got 25 carries in this game, 138 yards 5.5 yards per carry and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looked absolutely phenomenal in this game. It could be that Chiefs offensive line, and but man, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, what we saw from him, he's going to look like a very good running back. He played absolutely outstanding in this game, and I'm excited to see what he can do in Kansas City. And now, I guess, this leads us to our final topic of the episode. And we are going to do this every week. We are going to start predicting every single game for the week. We will be predicting the winner and the score. We will be doing that. And then we will be doing that for every single week of this this coming NFL season. Yes, including the playoffs as well. So I guess, uh, John, you ready? Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm ready as well. You know, 
All right, so I guess let's. Um, so I promise we're telling the truth here. Me and John did pick the Chiefs to win, so we both picked the Chiefs to win. I promise you that, and they did. So that's He's already won the Texans. Nah, 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 nah. All right, no. <laughs> All right, I guess um, I'll say the game, and we'll both uh, say what we need to say. Right. So, game one, Wait, on, we'll talk. On. First. Come on, I feel like we should we should give like why we we say this team's gonna win instead of just saying like oh, yeah, yeah, Bills yeah, gonna win. yeah, 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 definitely. All right, so I guess game one, we will start off. With the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. All right, don't you go first? Right, guess I'll go. Yeah, 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 you can go first. I I have the Buffalo Bills winning and the blowout. I th- I'm having I have them winning thirty-one to zero because like this like this de- the Buffalo the Bills defense like is still a top five, while like the Jets ha- don't have basically anyone on offense besides. It. Um, Le'Veon Bell, and we don't know what Denzel Mims is going to show. So, and like, the Jets just really have no direction on, on anything really, so that's why I have the Bills winning 31-0, and plus even though their offense is not going to be that great, in my opinion, even though they have Stephon Diggs, I think it's, it's going to get better, and I think this is going to show it. I, I have the Bills winning 31-0. Okay, alright. So, I also have the Buffalo Bills winning in this game, but I do not have a shutout. I have a blowout still. I have Buffalo winning this game at 27-7. to um, I believe Josh Allen will do good in this game, but I believe it'll be that defense. I think the defense forces Sam Darnold to throw three interceptions in this game, and I don't think the offense gets going for the Jets. All right, next game is going to be Indianapolis and Jacksonville. I, I have the Colts winning with a score of, I'm going to say a score of 21-7. to 7. I think it's going to be a dull game because, like, they're not really, they, these are teams that we don't know what, well, like, well, a team, well, the Colts are a team, like, we don't know cause what's going what's to go because, like, they have they signed Philip Rivers, which is probably going to be their starter, which came off his his worst season in his career. And, like, and like the Jaguars, like, um, they, they are rebuilding right now. And even though the Colts defense is getting better, I feel like Philip Rivers is, is kind of going to hold back that offense from being a top, from being, from getting better. But, actually, it is going to get better if he plays decent, but... Philip Rivers still still has probably the best offensive line in football, and and still has like Ty Hilton and like and like Marlon Mack, Jack Doyle. Like yet yeah, he still has some solid we- weapons on his offense. While they, the Colts ha- still have some solid play- players on their defense, like Dar- like Darius Leonard and and DeForest Buckner. Um, um, I am also picking the Colts in this game. I'm picking another blowout. I'm picking Indianapolis to win this game 28 to 7, I believe. Philip Rivers and that offense has um, a breeze through this. And I believe, you know, um, I think Rivers throws one interception. And 
I think that's returned for a touchdown. I think that's how Jacksonville gets their seven points. So, next game we're going to be talking about is the Miami Dolphins and New England Patriots. This might be a shock, but I have the Dolphins winning. I have the Dolphins winning because, like, even though I don't think Tua is going to start, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to pull it out and win. And to me, pull an upset because, like, I think the Dolphins is going to have a great defense this year, probably top 10. And, like, well, like, they don't have, like, that much of offense besides, like, um, Devontae Parker. And, like, well, they added, like, some pieces, like, Jordan Howard. And, like, on the defense, they have people that people, they, well, they added, like, Byron Jones. They, that's the one that could talk, come off the top of my head, but, but I think the Dolphins are going to, I think the Dolphins are going to win this in a close game. I think they're going to win, I think they're going to win 28 to 21. Okay, all right, interesting. So, I have New England winning. So, this is the first one where we disagree. I have New England winning this game. I do have it close, though. I have New England winning this game 24-17, and I solely believe it is Cam Newton who does win this game for the Patriots. Um, moving on, I guess we'll talk about Cleveland and Baltimore. I have the Ravens winning. I have the Ravens winning. I'm gonna say probably, probably 31 to 20. I don't think Cleveland is gonna have that good of a game on offense, but I think they. But I think Baker Mayfield is gonna have like a solid game, like probably a decent one. Well, like Lamar Jackson and and that offense is gonna run away with it. Like how the actually no, the Browns won the, won this game last year, but I think the Ravens are gonna they're gonna win and go one and one and zero. Solely because I think I think the Ravens offense the Ravens offense is going to outscore the Browns. Um, I agree with you, but I'm going with a slightly different score. I'm going with thirty to twenty one. So I have Baltimore winning, of course, and then um, yeah, I solely believe it's their offense. You know, they they just outscore the Cleveland Browns in this game. And next, we got a little bit of an interesting matchup. We're going to go with, um, uh, we'll save that, actually. So, let's go to Las Vegas and Carolina. Okay, skip over to you, but okay. But I have the Raiders winning. I have the Raiders winning 17-14 on a game-winning field goal. I think these teams are, are even, because like even though like the Panthers, you know the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey, and they have like a... And they have a quarter, and they have a quarterback like they have a quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. While they ha- well, he has some decent weapons like like DJ Moore and and Speedster Curtis Samuel. I, I think the I think the, the Raiders are are, are better because like they have like even though I don't think Derek Carr's gonna have that good of a game, I think Josh Jacobs is gonna have a really good game. I also think Christian McCaffrey's gonna have a good game. But I think Henry Ruggs is gonna go off. I think he, I think he's gonna have 101 receiving yards. Was like was like was like five receptions and a touchdown. Okay. All right. So you had Vegas, right? Yeah. I'm picking Carolina in this game. So another one. Um, I'm picking Carolina to win this game, 
24 to 21, and I say off a game-winning touchdown by CMC. Think CMC goes off for 100 yards receiving and rushing, and he starts off the season strong. All right, um, let's go next to we'll stay in the 12 o'clock games. So let's talk about Seattle and Atlanta. I think Seattle. I think the Seahawks are gonna win this. I think they're gonna win this 28 to 21. Because I, because solely because I think the Seahawks are going to outscore the Falcons' offense while they, while the Falcons still have, taught well they just had Todd Gurley while, while they still have, while they just lost um, Austin Hooper, which is going to be a big loss for them. But they still have have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, which I think the offense is still going to be good, but it's going to lose some of that firepower from last year. And they still have Matt Ryan, but the Seahawks just have. I think the better world roster. They have the better defense, the better offense, the better quarterback, not better receivers. But I think Seattle's going to win this 20-21 with a, with a game winning, nah, with with the Falcons trying to make a comeback. But but they don't have enough times. Okay, all right. So I am picking Seattle in this game as well, but I am expecting a seventeen point difference. I'm picking Seattle to win this game in a high scoring 38 to 21. I have Seattle winning this game. Um, I solely believe their offense does not go a drive without scoring. I don't think that Atlanta defense is going to be able to hold up with that um, Seahawks offense. And I think they get a lot of points on the board. So next we'll talk about Philly and Washington. I, I'm gonna pick my Philadelphia Eagles to win tw- thirty-one to win thirty-one zero because this because like even though you know we're already injured I don't know how we are but we, we are but I I think we're still gonna have a great game because Car- I think Carson Wentz is gonna have a, a field day against this Redskins defense what football team sorry football team I need to get in the habit of saying that football team defense that is not that it's not probably not, not the greatest but their defensive line probably does save them though but I think I think the Eagles defense is gonna, is gonna shut out the Redskins the football team offense <laughs> so I have Philly as well in this game I have Philly winning this game though 30-17 um, it's obvious shown that Dwayne Haskins somehow does well against the Eagles. And I'm going to say that he somehow puts up 17. But I think Carson Wentz, I'm going to expect it like you. I think he has a field day against that secondary of the football team. I think they get a little bit of pressure on him because that defensive line. But, you know, I think I have Eagles 30-17. And staying with the 12 o'clock games... We're gonna be talking about Chicago and Detroit. I have the Bears winning. This is I'm gonna have them. This is gonna be a boring game. I'm gonna say this one out. I have the Bears winning. I have them winning seventeen to ten. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's had that good of a game, but I feel like his defense is gonna give him like a, like enough opportunities for it, for them to, for him to score. But I think David Montgomery is gonna have a great game. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a great, day, a great game against that Lions defense. That's 
that's basically the Patriots defense. But it's not that good. Even though they added like even though they have the like people like Jeff Okuda and Trey Flowers. But I don't but I think that the, the Bears are gonna win solely off their defense, seventeen to ten. So I am picking my first upset of the week. I am taking Detroit in this game. I am taking Detroit, and I am taking Detroit because I think Matthew Stafford tears up that Bears defense. Obviously, the Bears defense isn't what it was like three years ago when they made the playoffs or two years ago, however long it was. So, yeah, I have Detroit winning this game, and I think Kenny Galladay and Matthew Stafford just go off in this game. Uh, so, yeah, I have 27-17. And with our last 12 o'clock game of the week, we're going to be talking about Green Bay and Minnesota. I have the Packers winning 24-17 with an Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers with the game-winning touchdown to Devontae Adams. I think it's going to be a very good game. I think it's going to probably be like the second-best game of the week. Even I, I, I still... I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a solid game. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a better one. I think the Packers have a better defense. They have a better offense. But I think this can, I think these are fairly even teams. With good, with good teams, even though the Vikings did lose uh, um, Stephon Diggs and drafted Justin Jefferson. But I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close, 24-17. So in this game... Uh, Green Bay and Minnesota. I have Green Bay as well, but I have Green Bay 24-21 to Minnesota's 21. So I have Green Bay in this game as well. I think Mason Crosby does kick the game-winning field goal, and I think that's how the Packers win this game. I think Aaron Rodgers has a fairly decent good game. And then Kirk Cousins, I think he has a very good game. Dalvin Cook, pretty good game. And so, yeah, I'm going to take Green Bay, 24-21. And now we're moving on to the 3 o'clock game. So let's shift back over here and let's go with the Chargers and the Bengals. I have the Chargers winning this, winning 24-10. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to have a great day against that Chargers defense. But I think Justin Herbert is going to have a, a decent game. It's Tyrod. Sorry, Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor is going to probably, I think it's going to throw like one or two touchdowns. No, one touchdown while Austin Eckler scores like scores two. So I I am taking, oh wait, oh yeah, here you go. How do I finish? It's totally rude. I think Austin Eckler is going to have a great game. I think Keenan Allen is going to have a great game, but I think the Chargers defense is going to be the reason why they win that game and shut down Joe Burrow in that offense. Right now you can go. Alright, so I'm taking the Chargers as well, but I'm taking them in a fairly close game. I think this is a defensive game, and I'm taking the Chargers 17-14. to Yeah, I'm taking them 17-14 to in a close game against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Burrow does not good because that defense, and then I don't think Tyrod does good either because I think this will be a defensive battle game. And next, we'll shift over to Arizona and San Francisco. 
I think the 49ers are going to win this uh, 28-17. I I think Kyler Murray's going to have a nightmare day against that 49ers defense that is probably in the future, probably like in two or three years, probably going to be the best defense in, in the league. But I, I th- but I think Jimmy G does does enough with that running game and throws slants for them to score for them to score twenty eight points. I do think that that the Forty Nineers do get a pick six in one of them. But I think Kyler Murray's gonna have a, a decent game, like probably one touchdown, one, probably like one touchdown, one interception. Kenny Drake has a touchdown. And then DeAndre Hopkins has a good touchdown as well. I have the 49ers winning 2017. Okay, I have San Francisco as well, but I have in a close game. I am going 30-27 San Francisco. And I just think that both offenses just explode in this game. I think that they both go off, even though the 49ers have a very good defense. And I'm saying that they it does not come to factor here, and I'm saying and I'm picking San Francisco still, but in a close game. And now to arguably the game of the week, I'm pretty sure it is. It's going to be Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I have the Saints winning 34-31 with a game-winning field goal by Will Lutz. I think I think it's going to be an offensive. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a great game for Tom Brady. Great game, great game for for Drew Brees. Michael Thomas gets two touchdowns. Chris Chris Godwin and Mike Evans get a touchdown. Leonard Fournette gets a touchdown. I, I think it's gonna be a good game, a good offensive shootout. I but I pick Breeze and the Saints to win 34-31. Give me field goal with Lutz. All right, so I'm taking New Orleans as well, but I'm taking them 40-38, and I think Will Lutz kicks the game-winning field goal as well. I think uh, both the offenses just dominate in this game and now for Sunday night football we have my Cowboys against the Los Angeles Rams you could say this is biased but I, I truly think this is this is a better team I'm picking the Rams I'm picking but it's, it's in a close game though it's in a close game I'm not gonna say like I'm not gonna make it biased it's like oh, it's like oh the Rams are gonna shut out the Cowboys no I'm I'm a I'm gonna pick the Rams to win 14 to 17. I think the Cowboys almost make a comeback, but but it's but they they ran out of time. I think it's mostly just a defensive game. I think Jared Goff might have that good game. I think I think Dak's probably gonna throw like one, one touchdown. I think Zeke's gonna have like 100 yards rushing. But I think I think it's gonna be a good game for something like football. I think it's gonna be close. I, I have Rams winning 17 14. I'm going the exact opposite of you. I'm picking my Cowboys, and I'm picking them by double the points that the Rams score. I'm picking them 28-14 in Dallas winning. I think Dak goes for two. I think Zeke goes for two. I think Amari gets one, and I think the rookie CeeDee Lamb gets one. And then I think somehow I'm going to pick that the Cowboys defense just shuts down Jared Goff for the majority of the game. And, you know, not likely, but, you know, my prediction. All right, now going to the Monday night games. Um, We'll talk about Tennessee and Denver first. I picked the Titans winning 31-21. to 
I think this is solely because of Derrick Henry. I think he's going to be the reason why they win this game. Because, like, now since they don't have Von Miller, the Broncos don't have Von Miller, I think Derrick Henry's going to have a field day like he did in the playoffs against the, the Patriots and, and, and the Ravens. I think he's going to have 150 yards rushing, and I think Rantino is going to throw at least one touchdown to, to A.J. Brown. I think Chadia McClellan is going to get a sack in there, and I have the Titans winning 31 21. I think Drew Locke's going to have a decent game. So I am picking another upset. I am picking Denver in this game. I'm picking Denver over 10 1 to 28. I think that Derrick Henry has an amazing game, but I just think Drew Locke and that offense has a better game. And now moving on to the final game of the week, we have Pittsburgh and the Giants. I have the Steelers winning 28 to 0. Actually no, pro- no, actually no, twenty to seven because Saquon. But I think this is, I think this is, I think the de- the Pittsburgh Steel- the Steelers defense is gonna is gonna win this game for them because we all know I think they're a top three if I'm right or top five. Uh, top five for sure. Yeah, top five defense last year. I think they're gonna do it again. I I, I think Big Ben's kind of is gonna kind of rusty, but I think he might throw a touchdown. But but I think this. I think the defense is going to win this for them. Danny Dimes is not going to be Danny Dimes. He's going to be Danny Picks. Okay, shut up. But I think, but I think he's going to throw. But I, I don't think Danny Dimes is going to have that good of a game. I think he might throw two interceptions. I, but Saquon's going to get their only touchdown. So I am picking Pittsburgh in this game, 2014. I think Giants get two touchdowns solely off of Saquon Barkley. Um, I don't think that Daniel Daniel Jones is going to do good at all in this game, and that's solely why I have Pittsburgh winning by six. And I guess that is it for the episode. Well, this is this is all for us, and this is it. this is John and Adam. This is Sports Season Podcast. Signing off.